everybody. I'm Kara and welcome to Back to the Body, a podcast about returning home to ourselves. I'm so glad you're here. If you don't know me, I'm an embodiment coach based in Nashville, Tennessee, and I actually just moved here from Los Angeles where I spent the last 10 years of my life as a wellness chef and creating and curating connective experiences around food. So now I love helping women learn how to come back home to themselves and to use food as a tool to do that. So this podcast is all about coming home to your body. We talk about food, we talk about relationships, we talk about whole health, and really we talk about what it looks like to reunite to that deep inner wisdom that exists in each one of us. It exists in you. Caleb, my husband, and I just actually returned home from Florida. We did a little getaway um, down to West Palm Beach and Key West. I got to meet my nephew, you guys, who is four months old, and he is so stinking cute. He's so darling. And then Caleb's mom got married, so we were down in Key West and got to got to go to her wedding, which was lovely and just really small and intimate on a boat. It was great to be on the water. I feel like my soul always feels healed when I am on water. It just happens. It's amazing. So it was wonderful to see family and to have this little getaway but as we were flying home, um, I, I got highly emotional. I got like so, so emotional. And it's funny. I feel like that happens to me a lot when I fly. Um, I think mostly because we are, you know, we're slow. There's, there's no distractions. Of course, you can like get on your phone and watch a, a, a movie on the plane. But there's a slowness to it. And we're also extended above our lives. It's like a new perspective. And it, it always drops me into something that I need to feel. So on the plane, I was thinking about, um, living connected to our bodies and I was living, I was just thinking about this idea of like, um, how do we, how do we get to a space where we feel fully embodied and and in love with our lives? And while we were in Florida, I had a conversation with a friend and she reminded me that our biggest obstacle in life, always every human being's biggest obstacle is to really rest in the belief that we are worthy And I keep coming back to this idea that like at the end of the day, if we know how worthy we are, we go after and we choose the things that we really desire, right? For many of us, I think we, we end up, uh, not doing the things we really want to do because we don't think we're worthy or we end up, uh, not letting go of a relationship because we don't think we're worthy or we don't treat our bodies the way we want to because we don't believe that we're worthy and, and oftentimes we try to fix the symptoms, right? Like we try to fix the, the external symptom of what's happening. But really, if we could get to this core belief and rest in this knowledge that we are made and designed as 100% worthy human beings, everything else falls into place. So I just want to encourage you this week and, and remind you that you are so worthy. You are so worthy of every good and deserving thing that you desire. And, and your work is to really believe that and to rest in that. So this week I wanted to jump on and do a solo episode. Obviously I'm here talking to you, (laughs) but, um, I wanted to do a solo episode because it happens to be national, uh, eating disorders awareness week. And this is a topic that I have felt more and more compelled over the years to talk about and, and kind of share my own story. So I wanted to jump on and and give you a little bit of my story and then give you, um, I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm putting them in air quotes, negative emotions and this idea that in order to heal from anything, whether it be an eating disorder or anything, we have to, as humans, allow uh, allow ourselves the space to fully feel everything that we need to feel. So I'm going to get into that as well. But um, I wanted to quickly just talk about my own story and 
one thing that I, I want to acknowledge as we enter into this week of eating disorder awareness is that an eating disorder or disordered eating, whatever you want to call it, can be incredibly lonely. It can be incredibly confusing and highly disorienting because oftentimes we don't fully understand why we keep returning to a behavior or a thought pattern that is so destructive. So in my own life, I spent so many years trying to figure out what was wrong with me and I felt like I couldn't ever figure it out. And that's incredibly lonely and disorienting. And the thing with eating disorders and disordered eating is that they are remarkably complex. We are bombarded <laughs> with cultural messaging um, about about body um, and eating disorders are layered with upbringing and narratives that we've absorbed and so, so much more. So when we talk about eating disorders, we have to acknowledge that they are so layered and complex and complicated to even talk about because when we say why, why is that happening? It's usually layer upon layer upon layer that we need to unravel, right? So I spent years of my life, quote, sabotaging, (laughs) I'm going to say that because I'm going to reframe that later, but sabotaging myself with food. I I viewed it as my enemy. I fought with food. I, I fought to control food and to control my body. And so healing for me was really layered because I had to unpack all these years of programming around food that were really, really deeply rooted in me, right? Like there was narratives that got absorbed when I was 13 and somebody told me that if I lost 10 pounds, I'd be more attractive. And, and then there were narratives around um, coping with food and, and how food is, uh, food is your friend when you're having a hard time. So there were a lot of things that needed to be unpacked um, that had kind of dug their, dug their web in me, if you will. So I met with a psychiatrist once, many times actually, but this one psychiatrist, I met with him and he told me the, I'm putting this in quotes also, stats, statistics around recovering from eating disorders. And he basically told me that no one recovers. And that guy was full of shit, you guys. He was so full of shit. I have seen so many women, friends, clients, so many people restore their relationship with their body and with food. And truthfully, that is why I do this podcast and why I do the work that I do, because I believe the biggest lie we've been told and chosen to believe is that we're not enough, right? So the story of wanting to change the body is the story of believing that you are not enough. If you believe that you're not enough, you're going to try your whole life to change you, right? And for many women, this manifests in the body. It's a very easy thing for us to change. So If at our core, we don't believe we are 100% enough as the way we are, we will constantly try to change our external to make ourselves feel like we're enough. One helpful tool for me um, when I was in my healing journey around body and food was really questioning, like, what are the subconscious thoughts that have been programmed in me to believe that I have to constantly change? What are, what are the, the subconscious thoughts that are flying through my mind on the daily that I'm not being slow enough to even catch and hold and look at? What are the thoughts around um, thinking that 10 more pounds off will make me happy or thinking that if I lose a dress size, I'll be, dress size, I'll be more satisfied? What are those, what are those, um, those subconscious thoughts that just fly through our minds so flippantly, right? So one helpful tool for me was really questioning what are those? And then asking the question of what are those deeply rooted narratives and lies? So what actually am I believing or partnering with or thinking or what's deeply rooted in me as a narrative that 
I, I need to unravel. Also, a lot of us grew up in purity culture. <laughs> I don't know if you did, but I did. And purity culture uh, taught me that the body is bad and that it's something to be controlled. Purity culture comes with a whole host of messages around um, the body the body being something that's shameful, which is really messy when we think uh, when we think about the the destructive patterns and and the way that that can lead into body shame, right? So what happens when you think that your body is bad? You punish it. And that is truthfully a large part of my own story is relearning. I had to fully relearn and believe that my body is good and that I can trust it. And then we have to talk about, when we talk about eating disorders, we have to talk about the physiological part of all of this. So I don't know if you know this, but 95% of serotonin, of your body's serotonin, is in your gut. That's crazy. 95% of serotonin is in your gut. So when you are struggling with an eating disorder, when you're constantly being mean to your gut, your serotonin levels are going to be highly affected, right? Which can lead to a really messy cycle because you might think in your brain, wow, I don't have enough willpower or wow, I I don't know what's wrong with me, but maybe your gut is just really, really, you know, imbalanced and messy. So when it came to my own healing, um, there were two massive light bulb moments for me. One was physiological and one was emotional. I'll share both with you. So the physiological light bulb moment for me when it came to my healing was hormones. I had absolutely no idea until my 30s that I was chronically hormonally imbalanced. And this is a really big deal, you guys. So no one in all of my years of therapy around um, around like eating disorder and my mood swings and whatnot, no one ever said, hey, let's check your hormones. And in my early 30s, I did, and I uh, was chronically hormonally imbalanced. When that is the case, this thing that we call willpower, that we label willpower, actually doesn't exist. So hormones always trump willpower. There's no getting around it. So getting the body into physical balance is super helpful. Um, And it was really, really revolutionary for me. Finally, I was like, oh, wow, I'm not actually crazy. This is maybe just my hormones. So getting getting the body into balance is key. If you want to learn more about that, my favorite book on the subject is Woman Code by Alyssa Vitti. She is remarkable, incredible. That book, Woman Code, it served as a Bible for me as I was uh, learning to rebalance my body especially after so many years of treating it destructively, actually learning that, you know, I can balance my blood sugar and that's going to help me. (laughs) And I can cut out certain things that are causing all kinds of inflammation. And so her book is really, really powerful. And also on my website, I have a free download about foods and practices that can help you balance your body as well. Um, It's really easy. Just head to my website and it's a free, a totally free download. So the second light bulb for me, which was really like an emotional light bulb, um, when it came to really evaluating and shifting my relationship with food and my body, was actually uh, from a guy called Mastin Kip. If you haven't heard of him, he's incredible. He's so wise. He's a teacher, a speaker, a guide. And he has this very famous line where he says, there is no such thing as self-sabotage. There is only self-protection. I'm going to read that one more time. He says, there is no such thing as self-sabotage. There is only self-protection. This is what he's explaining, y'all. If you are struggling with food, it is not sabotage. It is protection. If you are binging or starving yourself, 
It is not sabotage. It is protection. So learning and identifying why you're protecting yourself, what hurt you and what you feel like you need to protect yourself from, what needs to heal, this is key. And then going in and actually repairing those wounds is remarkably helpful as well. So, so often I was stuck in this shame cycle because I thought I was doing this to myself. I thought I was sabotaging me. And I would ask these questions internally of like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I figure this out? Why can't I get over this? What's wrong with me, right? The truth is nothing is wrong with you. Absolutely nothing is wrong with you. But the work is getting to the root of why we're acting in self-protection and why we're doing things that, that feel really destructive, right? So when I was, when I was, um, in England a few years ago, I I lived there for six months and I thought I was going to have this six months of like adventure and, uh, spontaneity and, you know, so many good things. And it was that, but it was also incredibly lonely and painful and isolating and confusing. I had left my life in LA. So I, I, I moved there and all of a sudden life got really slow and all of these, these emotional things started to surface that I hadn't dealt with. And I had three panic attacks while I was in England. And actually I think I had four and I hadn't had them in years since my early twenties. And clearly my body was trying to, to say something to me, right? Usually when our body is, is having a, 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 an external symptom. It's trying to communicate something to us. And I think my body was saying like, look, look, we have to, we have to deal with some of the stuff. So I was lying on the floor and I had been there for about an hour. And at one point I I sat up and I kind of like hugged myself. I wrapped my arms around myself and I, I heard a voice and I heard a voice say, I'm sorry, this is happening to you. And in that moment I had this light bulb reframe of, wow, this is happening to me. And not in a victim way. I don't mean this in a victim way. But more from a perspective of, of wow, I, I, this isn't actually in my control. I can't fix this. And for so many years, I had spent so much time beating myself up for not being able to stop or not being able to have enough willpower. And I felt so much shame that I, that I didn't even share any of my struggle with people in my life because I was, I was so embarrassed right? I was so embarrassed. And, and when I understood, when I finally got that moment of this isn't something that I'm choosing, but it's happening to me, it gave me a very different and compassionate approach to, to myself that began the truest part of my healing. I know we talk a lot about self-compassion and I cannot emphasize it enough that when it comes to the body, self-compassion always wins. Being gentle and slow and kind, so kind to the body is the way towards healing. I honestly don't believe we can think our way out of an eating disorder. I don't think we can analyze it enough and figure it out enough and then perfectly package it up and put it away. But I do think, I do know that we can love ourselves through it and that actually is the way out, right? And the loving yourself never stops. It's a daily practice. Body acceptance and actually choosing yourself and showing up for yourself, it's a never-ending journey. And there are days where I look in the mirror and I'm like, mm, I don't know if I love my body today, but I choose it. I choose it because I've, I've now made a practice of choosing it. And that is, that is where, that is where the com- compassion becomes key. The self-compassion becomes key is because when we have compassion towards something, when we're gentle with it, we have the capacity to be kind and to love it really well. 
I know we talk a lot in culture about this idea of self-love. It's becoming a buzzword. But truly practicing self-love, showing up for yourself and, and, and choosing on the daily, regardless of what your body externally looks like, to love it is, is the practice of unconditional radical self-acceptance. And it's something that's hard work and it's so, so worth it. There's two things that I just wanted to mention that I do as a daily practice that I really have, have been really helpful for me. One is meditation. And if you're anything like me, I suck at slowing down. I'm actually like so bad at it. I'm a seven on the Enneagram and I don't (laughs) like being slow, but when I do, that is where I find the gold, especially when it comes to the body. So meditation has, has been a transformative practice practice because it's allowed me to sit really still and honor and thank and notice my body and ask her questions and, and give her space to respond. So the first practice for me is meditation. The second practice is, uh, is talking out loud to myself in the mirror. And I don't know if you know this, but your words can actually change your brain chemistry. So you can look in a mirror and you can say, uh, I think you're beautiful. You're so beautiful. Wow, you are so, so beautiful. And you can change your brain by doing that. That's crazy. You can actually change the way you think by the words that you speak. Your words carry energy and they carry power. And so when you say them out loud to yourself in a mirror, you're actually energetically changing your brain and changing what you believe. So I would encourage you if you're someone who has a hard time really believing how beautiful and worthy you are, start telling it to yourself. Start daily making that a practice. I did that when I was 25. My, my therapist was like, you need to say you're pretty in a mirror three times every day. And I did. And I, I really started to believe it. It was crazy. I also just want to say that if you are someone who is currently struggling with an eating disorder, disordered eating, or you're starting to really question your relationship with your food, with your food and your body, I want you to know 100% that there is freedom available for you. There is absolutely a completely transformed relationship that you can have with your body and self and food. And if you feel stuck or in bondage, or trapped. I know I have felt all of those things. I want you to know that is not the end, and that is not the other side. So a lot of times it takes help. A lot of times it takes work, but it is available to, available to you. And one of my favorite books on the subject, if you, if you haven't read it, is Women, Food, and God by Janine Roth. Janine Roth is kind of the pioneer of really dissecting um, spirituality and uh, and, and emotions and food and this relationship between the three of those things. So if you're curious at all, it's an incredible read. She's remarkable. I highly, highly recommend it. Hey everybody, really quick pause to tell you that I actually started selling Beauty Counter this year and I did it because over the past two years of really working to balance my hormones and then even thinking about wanting to get pregnant one day, I became very committed to only putting clean products on my skin. I don't know if you know this, but uh, toxic chemicals can affect your hormones and the things that we put on our skin actually really affect our internal system. So I became really committed to only working with clean products and Beauty Counter is so transparent in the stuff that they put into their products 
and their products are amazing. So the best part is that I ordered Caleb, my husband, um, a couple of the guys' products, and I'm not joking, you guys. My husband is so picky when it comes to the stuff that he's gonna use, when it comes to food and products and whatever. He's just picky. And I'm not kidding when I tell you every single morning he looks at me and he's like, look how good my face looks. My face looks amazing. And it's true. It's working wonders for him. So if you're interested at all in trying to switch over into the clean product realm and you want to try Beauty Counter, DM me on Instagram and I would be happy to set you up. Okay, so on this episode, I wanted to take a few minutes and talk about uh, this idea of negative emotions. I mentioned this earlier, but I want to talk about um, why we label certain emotions as negative and why that's not very helpful and why actually we, we need space to feel all of the emotions if we want to get through them. So in my own journey of healing my relationship with my body, I had to learn how to truly feel fully and all the way through. When I was in the depth of my eating disorder, food became the coping mechanism that kept me from fully feeling my emotions. So I was able to numb anything. I was able to numb anger or pain or whatever it might be by numbing my body. And the problem is that when we numb our pain, we numb everything else, right? So Part of my journey of coming back home to myself was allowing space for these emotions to come up and to look at them and to invite them in as strangers and say, what are you here to tell me? What do you, what do you actually want to teach me today? And for the, for the beginning of, of my journey with emotions, it was pretty messy because I, I was someone who grew up with a lot of messaging around, don't be sad, don't be angry, don't be mad. And, and because of that, I didn't know how to, to let myself fully feel. I've shared this before on this podcast, but when I was, um, I think 31, I was on a retreat and I, I did a listening exercise with a group of women. And at the end, one of the women said, do you know that you have permission to be sad? And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, you have permission to be sad. And it broke me. It was something that no one had ever given me, gave me permission for in my life. And it was so simple, but sometimes we just need permission to fully feel the thing that we're feeling. And the truth and the beauty about emotions is that they come and then they go when we allow ourselves to feel them. But what we don't work out, we act out, right? So if we don't work out an emotion, if we don't go all the way fully through it, we end up acting it out sideways. And it can come out sideways in relationships or it can be a burst of anger and an explosion and road rage or whatever it might be. But we, when we learn how to fully feel, fully allow ourselves to work through an emotion, we can get through it to the other side. So I wanted to share this list. This list is actually from Onsite. <clears throat> if you're not familiar with Onsite, it's a trauma recovery program out of Nashville. And I, I got to go a few years ago and it was life changing. It was so incredibly healing for me. Um, so definitely look it up if you are, if you are interested in this conversation. But they gave us this list of feelings and um, I'm calling them air quotes negative emotions because in my mind when I look at this list, I had been taught my whole life that these were negative emotions. So the first one, as I work through them, I'm, I'll tell you what they are and then I'm going to tell you the benefit of feeling them and then the impairment from not feeling it, right? So with each of these things, <clears throat> there's a benefit. Like when we actually allow ourselves to fully feel it, 
there's a benefit to it. And if we don't feel it, there's a, there's a sideways that it's going to come out as. So the first one is hurt, simply hurt. So when we choose to allow ourselves to fully feel hurt, the benefit of feeling that is that it names woundedness and it begins healing, right? Hurt allows us to identify what needs to heal. The impairment from not feeling hurt is resentment. So if we don't allow ourselves to feel the hurt, it can turn to resentment towards the thing that's actually hurting us. The second one is sadness. So sadness values and honors what is present or missed. So sadness allows us to look at what is causing pain in our lives and, and, and really look at it and acknowledge it. The impairment from not feeling sadness is self-pity. So if we don't allow ourselves to fully feel through our sadness, it can often turn into self-pity. The next one is loneliness. This is such an important one for right now. I know that so many of us, myself included, are we're in a collective loneliness. This time is just so different than anything we've ever experienced. And so when we allow ourselves to feel the loneliness instead of avoiding it or ignoring it, it allows us to ask for help and reach out for relationships. And when we don't feel loneliness, when we avoid it or we shove it down or we choose not to feel it, it can turn to apathy. The next one is fear. So when, when we allow ourselves to feel fear, the benefit of feeling it is that it helps us practice and prepare. The impairment from not choosing to feel it is anxiety or rage. And I know for me, there were many times in my life where I didn't allow myself to fully feel the fear. I was like, I'll just get over it. I'll get over it. And by shoving it down, it actually turned into anxiety, right? Like it turned into um, panic attacks, truthfully. <coughs> okay, the next one is anger. This one's my favorite. Oof, I am so not naturally good at feeling anger. It's been a thing I've had to learn. Um, if you haven't read The Dance of Anger by Harriet Lerner, that's a great one on anger. If, you are, if you're trying to, to wake up and understand anger in your own life. So anger, the benefit of feeling it is that it helps us tell the truth and it dares to hope and it arouses desires. When we don't feel anger, when we ignore it or shove it down, the impairment from not feeling it are depression or perfectionism. This one was huge for me. So much of my life I did not feel anger and it turned sideways into perfectionism in my own life towards my body. Once I learned how to actually feel anger, to deal with it and to work through it, that tendency towards perfectionism kind of died off. Okay, the next one is shame. I know shame is not a great thing. We don't want shame. But if it comes and we just push it away and don't deal with it and don't allow ourselves to feel it, it can be destructive. So the benefit of feeling shame is that it awakens us to humility. It asks us to look at, is there any spaces where we need to be humble? And if we choose not to feel it and we just ignore it, it can turn to toxic shame, pride or rage, or even self-rejection. And the last one is guilt. Again, we don't want to live with guilt, but if it comes and needs to tell us something, it can, it can show us the fullness and the richness of life. The last one is guilt. Again, we don't want to live in guilt, but the benefit of feeling guilt is that it allows us to seek forgiveness. So if there is something that we feel guilty about and we fully need to feel it, it can allow us to seek for forgiveness for the thing that we feel guilty over. 
And then the impairment from not feeling guilty not, or not feeling guilt rather is pride or toxic shame. Okay, so that is my list of uh, negative emotions that I hope can be a reframe for you when it comes to allowing yourself to feel the thing you need to feel. I think that's something I get so fiery and passionate about is giving women the space to feel what they need to feel, right? To actually allow the feelings to come, to feel fully through them, to work through them. And that is the way through and the way out is working through. I have a lot of clients say, I'm just going to get over it. And the truth is you won't, you won't get over it, but you will get through. Okay. You guys, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. If this, if this, uh, content and, um, episode is, is resonating with you. I want to tell you really briefly about Embody Circles, which is my group coaching program. We just wrapped up season one and we're about to launch season two in a few weeks. And I, am elated about it. It's honestly such an incredible program. Um, it's six to eight women. And in the program, we really look at uh, reconnecting to the body, healing the relationship with our body, creating space for healthy relationships, and then getting really, really clear on what we want. So, so often what I see with my clients is that when, when we don't have clarity, it's because we're not connected to ourselves, right? So when, when we repair the connection and we restore this connection to ourselves, and then we start to, to create the space for healthy relationships, we start to get that clarity on the things that we actually really want in life. And when we do that reconnection process, we, we physically create space, we energetically create space for the right things to come in. So this program is all about getting clear. It's all about reconnection and it's all about healthy relationships. And so if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, um, you can find more information on my website by caraelise.com. There's a tab on the top that says embody circles. And I think you would love it. It's pretty, pretty epic. I was reading through the, the feedback of, um, of season one from the, the women. And I was just weeping being like, ah, the pro the pride I have <laughs> over the progress and the confidence and just some of the strides that each of them have made is incredible. So I think you would love it. Thank you guys again for joining. I um, am so glad to have you here. And if, if this did resonate with you at all, or if you, if you want to have a conversation uh, about anything you're struggling with, feel free to DM me on Instagram. I love, I love chatting with women and, and hearing about healing journeys. So I would love to chat with you. Definitely reach out. And I will be back with a new episode next week.